This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing. And for the next little while, we're just going to talk about gardening. Just talking about gardening. Hope you can join me. If you got some things you want to yak about, some things going on, things you'd like to do, things you're not really sure about, maybe you want to run some opinions by somebody who's not going to try to sell you anything, this is your chance. It's live. Toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. MPB stands for Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Um, we're going to have a. Some events coming up. Gonna got some cheesy music coming up, some cheerful music, not that cheesy. And um, like I say, I'll just talk about gardening. It's a pretty weekend out there, awfully pretty. Got a lot of rain. I got over six inches of rain. My rain gauge, I emptied it uh, Tuesday, Wednesday. It got completely overflowed. Um, it's just uh, unbelievable. But it's brought all these flowers and stuff. I've got the coolest little bulb in my back garden, and I grow a lot of daffodils, narcissus is a Latin name, and a lot of different kinds that came from my great-grandmother's garden. She was a, a horticulturist and had like 350 or so different kinds of daffodils, only about two dozen still blooming after all these years, but I got them in my garden. And uh, today, for the first time in maybe 10, 12 years, I've had these, my little poop, my hoop petticoats came came up. Uh, there's a little, real popular daffodil called tete-a-tete, that are, or tete-a-tete, however you want to say it. A little small uh, yellow with a, a long cup. Usually there's two per stem. Pretty little thing. A little, uh, almost a ground cover type daffodil. But hoop petticoat is even smaller. It's a tiny little thing, and instead of having petals and a trumpet, it's like a, it's like a, a cone. Uh, it looks like it's called hoop petticoat because it looks like an old hoop petticoat. Whole thing's not as big as the end of my little finger. Sweet little flower for my great grandmother's garden. Doesn't have any fragrance, but it sure is a sweet little thing. Got to get down your hands and knees to see it, though, if you wear bifocals like me. But uh, anyway, got those daffodils, got some uh, different kinds of bulbs. I've got a little area in my back garden that used to be sunny and uh, and uh, just wall-to-wall grass. And I turn it to a circle. It's a 12-foot diameter circle. And that's uh, where I've got all these bulbs. I've got some some uh, flagstones, sort of uh, uh, a walk, not right through the middle, but sort of around the edge. And... Um, Plant all these bulbs and wildflowers, uh, little things that a lot of you call weeds, like henbit and and uh, dandelions. I've got violets and you know all those kind of. I, I stick some violas out there in the fall and make a few little pansies and you know just little things like that that uh, that bloom all winter. And then when the daffodils come up, they just enhance it. It's a magical little place. And as soon as it gets hot and all these things die down, which they, which they do, I just simply take the string trimmer to them. I cut them all down. I throw a whole bunch of brown bark mulch over the area, so I've got a circle of brown. Some people have a circle of green for their yard. I got a circle of brown, and it's just as neat as it can be. Uh, it gives a you know definition to the garden. It's a unifying element, just like a lawn would be, except it's brown. And then in the fall, in the winter, and early spring, it's just covered with wildflowers and daffodils. So uh, whenever when everybody else is out there worried about spraying weeds and stuff and then mowing the rest of the year, 
I'm enjoying all these beautiful little uh, spring ephemeral wildflowers and daffodils and things, and then I'm playing on the rest of the year. Sometimes in the in the late summer and fall, I'll actually set my tent up out there and camp out in my backyard. But uh, anyway, we're going to be talking about all sorts of stuff along those lines. Uh, let's start out this morning, though, doing what we do best, and that's to yak with folks. We're going to go to Madison and talk with George. George, thank you for calling, man. What's going on? Hi, Felder. I got a question about um, cedar apple rust. Yeah. Uh, so I got about 15 apple trees, and normally when I go to spray for cedar apple rust, I look at my cedar trees, and when the little, you know, orange tentacles come out on the It'll cedar trees. The jelly-looking things, yeah. I go spray my apple tree. Uh-huh. Well, because of this weird winter, my cedar trees, they got the little tentacle things out now. Yeah. And none of my apple trees are budded out. Yeah, and uh, and it's it's an interesting thing because you spray the trees to put a protective film on them to keep the 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 the, the fungus from getting started, but there's nothing for it to get started on. So I'm with you. So do you spray or not? I don't know. Yeah. There's nothing so, there to spray. Yeah. So should I worry about it or should I just extend my spraying season? Because I would assume there will be some late bloomers on the cedar trees. Yeah, it could be. Uh, you know, I don't know how long, you know, this. Uh, and, and folks, those of you who are listening, cedar apple rust is a fungus that goes from members of the rose or apple family, little spots and stuff on the leaves and the fruit, to cedar trees. It makes it little jelly-looking fingers, and then back and forth and back and forth between the two. And we have so many cedars that uh, I can't even grow uh, uh, the crab apples get it. I can't grow the mayhaw, our wonderful native mayhaw, because cedar apple rust uh, just wipes them out. Anyway, uh, I don't know. The the sprays are a protective film, and there's nothing there to protect. So, yeah. Because normally I would do like two sprays. Yeah. You know, starting maybe three weeks from now. So I didn't know if I should just do a third spray, you know, just to... Give it a little extra. Well, you know, as as you know, the cedar trees, you know, they could develop this, you know, the I, f- I forget what the this phase, the cedar phase of it. It can it can go on for a couple of three weeks or more. So yeah. uh, I don't know that I was. If there's nothing there to spray right now, I don't think I would spray. But as soon as a new growth comes out, you know, this this <laughs> you got you got a you got a pet chicken. Yeah, well, I got my rooster is, uh, is happy because I'm feeding my, my chickens right now. George, do you live in Madison or near Madison? I live in the city limits, actually. I live right by Madison Middle School, but I got about six acres. So. <laughs> Mayor doesn't know about this, you know. <laughs> it's all totally legal. Oh, yeah, I, I totally get it. But anyway, I, I would, you know, I would sometime be. This weather we're having right now, the apples are st- are they blooming yet? Are your trees blooming? No, that's a, the best I got is I got two trees that have just the barest little swelling of the butt. I don't think the- I don't think I'd fool with spraying. I mean, you know, the stuff is not a poison. You know, not going to hurt anything to spray. It's just going to cost you a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but you know, sometime next week, you know, I'd, I'd okay. start spraying. And, uh, anyway, it's a, it's a great question, and it's a conundrum because a lot of stuff is blooming and happening a lot earlier than it normally would, and uh, it's sort of throwing a lot of people's timing off. Oh yeah, my peach trees bloomed in the middle of January. I yeah, mean, yeah. Did, did did you have good bees? Oh, I do have good bees. Good, yeah. good, good, good. All right, listen, go feed that rooster. <laughs> I think so. See you, George. Bye. Java, this this is this is real radio here. 
And the funny thing about that, George is not the first to have a, a, a chicken and a rooster in the background. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but needless to say, folks, we are live. Let's go now to uh, um, Biloxi down on the Gulf Coast. Hey, Troy, how are you? I'm good. Good. Have you can you can you hear this program? Okay, we you know the the tower down there is sort of whatever. No, uh, I hear you just fine. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, what's going on? What can we help you with? I'm wanting to uh, seed my backyard. I bought me a cultivator. I got the grass seed. I'm planting San Augustine, and the fertilizer that I bought was some turf builder. But it's got a weed and seed, weed to fertilize yeah. to it. Yeah, that'll... And, um, my <laughs> question is, once I once I cultivate the soil, put my fertilizer down first and let it soak in before I spread the grass seeds. Is that right? Nope, I wouldn't do it at all because the, 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 the pre-emerge in there will keep your grass seeds from sprouting. So you so, put your grass seeds down first. Yeah, yeah. There's there's no rush to fertilize. You know, a lot of people, matter of fact, the official recommendation based on decades of research is to not put fertilizer in the grass until it's up and growing and been cut a time or two, which is April. And a lot of a lot, garden centers sell a tons and tons and tons of fertilizer too early. Uh, what happens when the grass spr- greens up in the spring, those new leaves get energy and they jumpstart the root system and you wait till after that before you fertilize it, or it's going to delay rooting. So there's no, even though you haven't started the seeds yet, rule of thumb is don't fertilize, or don't fertilize before April or after the end of August here in the South. And and again, I, I studied turf management at Mississippi State. I don't sell anything. That's the truth. So uh, I go ahead and get the. And by the way, your seeds aren't going to really sprout till the soil warms up either. So we're talking about the latter part of of, of this month. So uh, I'd wait till the grass is up and it's actually been mowed before you fertilize. You can fertilize in June, July, or August if you want to. Grass doesn't care. But uh, yeah. let's so let's 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 get your grass seed up. Let it kind of uh, green up and start running a little bit before you start fertilizing. And by the way, if you you didn't get seed for Saint Augustine, did you? I I think that's what's on there. What the bag is, wife. My wife got it. Okay, go back and double check because I don't know of any. I might be wrong. There may be some new varieties, but for the most part, St. Augustine seeds are sterile. It might be centipede you got, which is fine. But usually St. Augustine put out by sprigs or pieces of sod or something like ah, that. Ah, gotcha. That centipede? Yeah. yeah. And, it probably is. Yeah. Well, centipede, and, and get this, um, uh, uh, Troy, it takes centipede seed for when you sow it till it sprouts. takes three weeks. So you're going to give up on it long before it's ready to, to go out there. I'd wait till the latter part of this month when the soil is warmed up, put the seeds out. You don't have to water it, but wet it down every couple of three days because it's yeah. see, the seed, you know, it needs water to sprout. But anyway, give it three weeks or a month before you really start seeing the grass. And let's wait till it's up and growing before you fertilize it. Yeah, the, the uh, grade on my backyard is... Is kind of slopey from the very fence all the way back down to my house. So, with no grass, the water just tends to shed down towards the house. Yeah. But yeah. what I what I was wondering, I bought me a cultivator. Yeah. And I was wanting to 
you know, break up the soil before I spread my seeds out. Yeah, well, be a good idea. You know, you don't have to till it like it planting tomatoes or anything, but you know, oh, lo- no. loosen up a little. Uh, you got plenty of sunshine. Yeah. Okay. Let me suggest this: go and get, uh, go out and get some Bermuda seed, Bermuda grass seed. That's what that is. Oh, Bermuda. Uh, uh, yes, Bermuda grass. Yeah. Okay. okay. Bermuda will come up in a week or a week and a half when the soil is warm. Okay. Yeah. So That's so it, it, it'll come on. It, it'll come on up pretty quick. Uh, meanwhile, if you, uh, the main thing is you want to make sure the seeds are in contact with the dirt. So you don't have yeah. to till it up a lot. Just make it where it's mostly dirt. Throw the seeds out, wet it down, and it'll come up in a week or so if you wait till latter part of this month. Yeah, I'll do that then. All righty, uh, man. But I wasn't going to go down with about two inches with my cultivator. Yeah, and all you got to do is just scarify the surface. Just break it up a little bit. Don't hurt yourself. Yeah. Yep. All righty, man. Thanks for the help. You bet, Appreciate Troy. It. Thank you. Okay, here we are at Mississippi Public Broadcasting, having a good time. Uh, we need to take a real quick break. We've got a, a Laurie's on line. If you'll hang on, Laurie, we're going to take a real, real quick break and come back uh, with more Gestalt Gardener right after this. There are some events coming up uh, that real interesting. Uh, the one that's most important to me is this Sunday, this weekend, Sunday at 2 in the afternoon, I'm going to give a rollicking talk on yard art the good the bad and the unbelievable that's going to be in downtown uh, up in the uh, up up drawing a total blank forgot the name of the town west point <laughs> west point <laughs> west point <laughs> Two in the afternoon, the Cultural Center is free. We're going to have a lot of fun. If you want to talk about gardening afterwards, let's do that. I'm going to drive my old truck up there that's got the stuff planted in the back and uh, kind of show off my old pickup truck with the garden and uh, talk about yard art. Two o'clock this coming Sunday, downtown West Point at the Cultural Center. We'll be right back. Me and Java and uh, Kevin and all the folks here at MPB, so glad you tuned in. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Each week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. Okie doke, folks. Welcome back. Hope to see some of y'all at 2 o'clock Sunday afternoon in West Point, Mississippi. <laughs> Had a great time, by the way, last weekend. I was in uh, in Natchez, a state of a place called Greenlee. And uh, the folks who had this, uh, this antebellum place uh, put me up in a nice little antebellum, sweet little room. Uh, and it was block and a half from from uh, Fat Mama's Tamales. So, I mean, I had the best of both worlds, Old South and Tamales. I walked around beautiful. Anyway, had a nice crowd there at the convention center talking about gardening. Look forward to seeing some of y'all this weekend in West Point as well. And by the way, before we go to the phone calls, let me uh, mention this. Uh, there was a gal uh, who who passed away this past week. And uh, Java, I don't know if y'all know about all this, but uh, this, this woman named Rosalind... Uh, I forgot what her last name is now. Rosalind something. Anyway, she's one of the big supporters of the MPB. I'm, I'm drawing, drawing a, a, a total blank on this. Uh, I too, I'll talk about that in just a second. <laughs> but let me get my thoughts together. Let's go to Laura. Uh, Laura's been hanging on from Flowood. Thank you, Laurie. How are you today? 
Good. How are you? So far, so good. I got kind of discombobulated there. <laughs> but what's yeah. up? Um, you had told you had identified a tree in my yard as a Dunstan citramello right. and all that. Right. And you said you might have one too. I got some. I, I don't know if I, I came back and stole some. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had some people this winter when it was making the pretty, well, maybe not pretty, but the yellow fruit. Yeah, they're pretty. Um, and uh, they're so bright and tearful at Christmas. And uh, they wanted to know if they took seeds, if they could maybe grow some. And I didn't really know what to tell them. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, uh, you know, it, it, when those things fall on the ground, if you look out there, you probably have a bunch of little seedlings coming up already. Uh, because, uh, you know, there, there was one of these in, in Jackson. I went out there and just tons of little bitty ones. They kept getting mowed. But they're little bitty plants that have given you a year head start on growing them from seed. But anyway, they, you know, they come up quite readily from seed. The problem is it might take three or four or five years or more from seed to fruiting maturity. It takes a while from seedlings to go through that juvenile phase. Uh, so, is you know, there anything faster? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, get, get some branches and graft them. But the oh. pro- <laughs> I mean, that's the only way to take mature wood, this blooming age, and graft it onto a little small plant, and you've got an immediate old plant ready to go. So that one of the reasons of grafting it speeds things up. But uh, anyway, it does take a while. Now, I took some of those seeds to a place in Jackson called Hutto, some seedlings. They were about, oh, maybe a, a foot or so tall, and they've gotten a little size on them. So, you know, they've got some of those there because, yeah. you know, this is the plant where we want to get. It's a, a hearty citrus that makes stuff you can actually eat even up in the, as far north as Tennessee. So anyway, trying to get it uh, back out in the public, and so I put some seedlings there at Hutto's. But anyway, to answer your question, they come up pretty from seed, and even if they don't flower and fruit anytime soon, they're pretty plants. Oh, yeah, they are. They are, they are. I really feel blessed to have one. Yeah, look, look around under your tree and see if you don't have some seedlings coming up on, on the ground. I'll look, I'll look. Oh, and one other question. Right now when I look out in the woods, it's pretty bare. But I see lots of little white flowery trees out there. Do you know what those are? Oh gosh, it could be so many different things right now. It's too early for dogwoods, uh, and the you would notice if it was the the wild pears. You know, they only have pears about the size of the end of your thumb. Uh, but the there's a. Would they already have a fruit already? No, 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 no. They wouldn't. the The most common ones I'm seeing right now in the woods is a plant called cherry laurel. It's an evergreen. It's got uh, you know leaves. Oh. Th- two or three or so inches long and wide, but it's evergreen. And they are loaded flowers right now, but they're evergreen. And also the wild plums, the Chickasaw plums are blooming out there. But, you know, there's tons of things with white flowers this year. Oh, okay. The plums tasty? Yeah, yeah, Chickasaw plums. And, uh, you know, they, they tend to make little colonies, little thickets, but, you know, you can prune them up into a single tree, really pretty flowers. And uh, the, the the fruit are small and a little bit on the tart side, but they don't seem to get the worms that some of the cultivated plums do. But uh, oh, okay. anyway, the ones I'm seeing the most out there in the woods, uh, cherry laurel, which is evergreen, and the Chickasaw plum, a few of the little wild pears uh, that are that are, that are growing. Those are the main three I see. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, but I'm driving to and from the work. I always notice them out in the woods just Yeah, driving, t- so. tons of stuff. Starting from, from here on, it's just nothing but color out there. That's right. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it, Laurie.
Uh, folks, if you want to give us a call, it's toll-free, one eight seven seven mpb ring I couldn't remember her last name, but it's uh, Rosalind Walter. And, uh, and you know, you may have heard uh, one of our big underwriters here is uh, Rosalind Walter Foundation, I guess. That's the name of it. Anyway, big supporters of MPB. The reason it's important because she w- just made trillions of dollars, a lot of a, a really wealthy woman, supported a lot of the arts out in Long Island and New York, uh, but also she was a big supporter of MP, of uh, public radio and public television because when she was a kid, uh, when she graduated from high school, she wasn't able to go to college because she got a job working in a factory during World War II. And so she missed her slot to go to college. She learned stuff from listening to public radio. She she got her and she credited her education with what she got on public radio. Anyway, you know her as the original Rosie the Riveter. Java, did you know all this stuff? Have y'all been talking about this all week and I just didn't hear it? Now the Rosie the Riveter part. Now I knew I knew about that. You um I didn't know I didn't know she passed away. This was yeah, just she, a couple she, of days ago. Yeah, yeah, just a couple of days ago. She's ninety five years old, but she was the original Rosie the Riveter, worked at a an airplane factory in New Jersey in Connecticut. Yeah, that story is amazing how that came about and just for it to be such a cultural uh thing now. You know, people dress up as Rosie the Riveter for Halloween and stuff. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well well she was was the original Rosalind Walter, but uh, the, the the thing about it was she credited public radio and public television with her education because she wasn't able to go to college because she worked through World War II. Did that? Now, just to keep that going, uh, just the other day on Deep South Dining, we had um, pastry chef Sean Davis. Um, he is uh, working at Country Blues Cotton Blues in Hattiesburg, and he credited his getting into the culinary arts because of Julia Childs and uh, that coming on PBS. Yeah, yes, it's really <laughs> So it's, it's, it happens. I'm glad to be part of it. But, uh, again, I want to thank Philip and Stella Carby for uh, putting me up at the wonderful Green Lee Bed and Breakfast last week in Natchez. Um, a couple of other things coming up uh, in this month, March the 19th. I'm going to be giving a program at the Botanical Garden in Memphis for the Hossa Society, and you're welcome. We're going to talk about great, unusual shade plants and stumperies and stuff. That's March the 19th. Uh, March the 25th, I'm giving a program in Hattiesburg. There's a group called the uh, the Osier, Osier Institute, uh, Lifelong Learning Institute. I'm doing a program in the afternoon. It's going to be a solid Two hours, lots of stuff, some fun pictures, a lot of uh, question and answer, and, and just sort of talking about gardening and in and, uh, and small spaces and all that. But that's going to be March the 25th from 2.30 to 4.30. Uh, it's at the west end of the University of Southern Mississippi campus. If you want some information about that, want to sign up for it, shoot me an email, uh, garden at mpbonline.org. But again, the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute. I've got the number if you want to give them a call, but shoot me an email, March the 25th. Um, also, March the 27th, I'm going to be doing a, a program for the Bay Springs Master Gardener. they got an expo. It's Friday. Uh, they're going to start in the morning, and I'm going to do my program here. As soon as I get off the air, I'm going to go down there and do their lunch talk, but that's March the 27th, and on March the 28th, Memphis Master Gardeners at Agri Center. Got a whole bunch of stuff coming up, a lot of fun stuff, uh, but uh, mostly this weekend, 2 o'clock, 
uh, downtown at the Cultural Center in West Point. Going to be talking about yard art, some uh, some fun stuff. Um, if you want to give us a call, it's toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. I'm out of stuff to talk about, so you come up with some stuff to talk about. I mean, I, I, I can talk about. I brought a, a, a leaf of kale. Lasonata kale, Tuscan blue kale. Here's what it sounds like when you slap a microphone with kale. I bet that's never happened at public radio. <laughs> anyway, we're going to take a quick break. We've got uh, a little up tune because it's an up kind of day. We're going to take a, a short break and come back with your phone calls. Give us a call. It's toll free 1 877 MPB ring. I look forward to yakking with you. Horticulture's fell to rushing. My producer, Java Chapman, our phone screener today, Kevin Farrell. We call him the phone greeter. And uh, the rest of the folks at MPB, we'll be right back. There's a bright golden haze in the meadow. There's a bright golden haze in the meadow. The cone is as high as an elephant's eye, and it looks like it's climbing. Clear up to the sky Well, I say, oh, what a beautiful morning Yeah, yes, what a wonderful day Y'all look out there I've got a beautiful feeling Everything Everything going my way. Y'all come on now. Oh, the cattle are standing like statues. The cattle are standing like statues. They don't turn their heads as they see me ride by. Maverick is winking her eyes. She said, Oh, what a beautiful morning! Well, what a wonderful day! I want y'all to know, I've got a beautiful feeling. I've got everything.
no matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone. Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. All right, folks, welcome back. Where the culture's fell to rushing. Let's talk about gardening. Won't you give me a call? one eight seven seven mpb ring Let's start out with uh, in Poplarville and with Johnny. Hey, Johnny, how are you? Uh, I'm doing fine this morning. Nice, beautiful morning. It is pretty, pretty. Kind of crisp out there, but that, that just makes your skin crawl in a good way. Oh, yeah. What's up? Well, what I'm calling about was uh, you know, I heard you over the years mention uh, redbud trees, and I'm really a fan of the redbud, and I was just uh, wondering... Where in the area here I could go from here and see like more or less a grove or a number of these trees wild Ooh, you know, along the road. You know, there's it's it's hard to say because there's scat the one of the problems with our our wilderness is forestry, which is a big big agriculture thing in Mississippi, when they cut uh, forest down, they cut it all down, and the next year some of the stuff comes back, and the next time, you know, every time they cut over something, less comes back. So, you know, you're more likely to see some if you'll get out along some of the small country roads, you know, sort of the back roads, because they're scattered all out along the edge of the woodlands where the forestry people hadn't just completely decimated all the native stuff. I'm not saying that in a bad way. That's just it's forestry practice. But, uh, you know, they're scattered all over over the place. And right. it, well, do they prefer, what type of uh, property would they prefer, you know, just uh, uh, like in a swampy area or a hilly area? You know, the thing about red buds is they're pretty versatile. You know, you, you'll, you'll see things like uh, red buckeyes, which are starting to bloom now. Uh, you know, they'll be, uh, you know, kind of low areas, which you have a lot of around Popperville. Uh, but the red buds, I've seen them growing, you know, along creek banks, along riversides, Low wet areas. I've seen them up in, in in high dry areas too. So you know they're a pretty versatile tree. And right. as as far as any particular concentration, it's just gonna be luck of the draw. I, I see them everywhere because you know I'm tuned into that. But I right. can't say any place in particular. Right. Well, I have a few around my property, and I really enjoy them. But uh, I'm trying to get like a more or less a grove, you know, a larger area with them. And yeah. Uh, I just would like to see what it would look like with a number of them together. Yeah, I'll tell you something you might want to try. There are some cultivated varieties, not just the the wild seedlings. There's some that have, there's one called Oklahoma, for example. They've got like thicker leaves. They're prettier trees. When they bloom, they have just massive clusters of of those pinkish flowers on them. Uh, But the leaves look good, too, the rest of the year. You know, they're they're, they're just prettier trees. But uh, there's, there's several hybrid varieties that once you get you know if you put one uh, you know near your house you can enjoy it and then just have the 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 wild seedlings out along the edge of the woods they seem to do better not out in broiling hot sun they seem to do best at the edge of a woodlands where they get a little protection from hot hot sun so that that might be a hint there okay but hey right. well, I sure appreciate let it. me ask you this john have you ever eaten a red bud flower well, I have, and I wasn't really, I didn't enjoy it so much. <laughs> it tastes, yeah, do you know what it tastes like to me as a, you know, not not peanuts, but like that, that brown papery thing that's around a peanut. <laughs> right. It's a little bitter. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, appreciate your call, man. Good luck on it. All right. Well, thank you, sir. And uh, folks, while we were listening to the Ray Charles tune, uh, somebody suggested that the woman could be singing out in the woods, could be our native parsley hawthorn 
which are blooming. I forgot about those, but they're they're blooming right now also. Uh, I, because I live in town, I don't see as many of those kind of things. But parsley hawthorn is a wonderful little small landscape tree. The leaves are kind of uh, look like parsley, a little ruffle looking things. Nice little flat clusters of, of white flowers. Terrific plant. Good garden plant. But parsley hawthorn is blooming out in the woods also. And let's go up to, to Greenwood. Hey, Bill, thank you for calling. Hey, uh, fella, how you doing? Uh, yeah, I like redbud trees. Uh, and, and much prettier little redbud tree uh, growing out there. And, yep. Uh, this time of year, and it's, it, all the trees bare. We've got little old trees blooming. Yeah. I'm out there, and I've got a bunch of them and other stuff like that and brought it back. But yeah. Every one of them died. Oh, well. Little, little tree. Always better to move little trees. Knee higher, so. Always. Well, you get the little ones, but you know. Yeah. That's much luck. But uh, anyway, I got this amaryllis, and uh, all of them are blooming good, but one of them just don't want to do anything. Yeah. A fertilizer I can give it to kind of park it alone. Are these in pots or out in the yard? Are these some I bought in pots at the yeah. big Yeah. The, the one the here, the, the problem with it, the problem with growing amaryllis in pots is the potting soil doesn't have any fertil- fertilizer. You need to give them a little fertilizer. But also, those leaves need real sunshine. They need real sunshine. That's where they get their energy. And through a window isn't the same. It's not long enough. And, and actually, glass filters out certain wavelengths of light. So anyway, if you want them to, to rebloom, uh, put them out where they get some sunshine. Only bring them that's going to be freezing. Give them a little fertilizer. And that's about... And also keep in mind that a lot of the hybrid varieties that they sell for florist type plants and all, they're not as vigorous as some of the old tough, you know, ribbon that Aunt Mamie used to grow in her yard. So a lot of the a lot of the the fancy ones aren't aren't likely to keep blooming for very long because they're bred for sort of a one shot thing. Okay, well I have them on my front porch, but it gets. No sun at all. Just have a little bit in the morning. They need sunshine. There's, there's, they need sunshine. That's where they get their energy. That's where they make that big old flower bud comes from solar and from starlight. Yeah, it's just been so cloudy and dreary. I, I, I know, I know. But that's that's all you can do. If you can't give them sunshine and and cool temperatures and fertilizer, they just they they're gonna they can say uh uh-uh. uh. They're just gonna sit down on you. Yeah, well, most of them are doing pretty good. Yeah, well, good. Dave Felder, God bless you. All right, appreciate your call. Thank you so much. All right. Okay, folks, we got some lines wide open right now. You know, give me a call. There's a few things going on. If there's some some events that uh, I can help promote, uh, shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Uh, I've just about, uh, I've got, I'm ready to send out this publication thing. I wrote it last week. I tweaked it over the weekend. I've got about 75, maybe 80 people lined up to get this free little email publication I did on urban foraging. Uh, The flowers, the shrubs, the trees, things that grow in landscapes, they're edible including some of the weeds in your yard. So if you want that, I haven't sent it out. I'm going to send it out later this afternoon. Uh, Shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org, and I'll send you my little uh, paper I did, a little treatise I did. It it has a picture of it on it of Eliagnus fruit. You know, the big shrub people grow up, the real scraggly-looking shrub. It's actually a vine. You know, Eliagnus is a vine. You put it near some trees, you're going to climb the top of it wonderfully fragrant flowers in the in in the the fall and right now they've got fruit that's perfectly ripe ready to eat eliagnus about the size of the end of your little finger uh you go to an eliagnus shrub pull, 
lift up some of those limbs and see all those roots. Got a seed in it, little little. Um, it's got a little uh, astringency to it. You know, it's not an apple or a pear or an orange, but perfectly edible. Anyway, if you'd like a copy of this, shoot me an email, and I'll put you on that list and shoot it right out. Garden at mpbonline.org. Let's go down to Macomb. Hey, Bob, that's my old stomping grounds. This is where the Felders are from. Good morning. How are you today? Yeah, fine. What's going on? Uh, just got a question. I heard you talking a while ago uh, with a guy about grass. Uh, I install uh, and and repair septic systems, so by the nature of the beast, uh, we kind of destroy a yard when we go in. Yeah, do you have uh, to fix it back? Yeah. Well, we like to. You know, we do a good <laughs> job as we can. There you go. Um, but my question is, um, you know, when we end up, a lot of times we just got red dirt on top. Yeah. Uh, that kind of thing. Uh, can we go back? With just seed, like centipede seed, is it going to grow in that kind of stuff, or, or yeah. are we going to have to do something more? Or? No, no. Centipede, centipede are growing a pretty wide for you know. It doesn't want to stay in areas that just stays wet, but uh, yep. Yep. you know it, it, it comes. Here's a trick though: centipede takes the seed takes three weeks just to sprout. So what yeah, I would I do that. is I would mix in with it. I would mix in a little Bermuda grass seed or some rye yep. grass seed just so that your so your customers got something to look at. So they don't yeah, be so, so they don't keep calling you, and then yeah, you yeah, know something to take hold kind of quick. That's right, that's right. I would just throw that in a little bit. Yeah, uh, I just had one guy. Never had really issue. I just had a guy here recently. He was completely shocked and surprised that I had dug his yard up. <laughs> uh, so I, you know, I'm, I'm going to take care of him as best we can. <laughs> yeah, you, so, you yeah. Know. You might want to give him a little heads up, but live and learn, huh, Bob? That's right. That's right. <laughs> anyway, no. As long as the seeds are in contact with the dirt and they get wet, they need to be not watered but wet down because the seed just rattle around on the ground. If it starts to crack open and it's dry, it's going to die. See, they need to be prepared to just wet it down every couple of three days till it sprouts. Yep, so it gets something. All right. Any other suggestions to make things? Good. Now, well, yeah, get you uh, get you some some pine straw, right? And uh, and and go and just sort of shake it. You don't want to cover it up, but it's sort of like pixie sticks. If you're old enough to remember pixie sticks, go out and just shake a little pine straw over the area. That'll not only make it look like you've done something, but also if it rains, the seeds will get caught up in the pine straw instead of washing away. So just shake a little pine, just a real light little uh, uh, layer uh, where you almost where you can almost not even see the pine straw but that'll look good and it'll help the seeds so all righty man back to work i hear you got customers on the line already do them right <laughs> okay see you later okay folks we got some lines open you want to give me a call toll free one eight seven seven mpb ring I'm starting to get the questions about stickers, and I keep saying all the time, you got stickers in your yard, not much you can do about it this time of year. Stickers come up in the fall, they're little ferny looking things, they flower and they make those stickery seeds, the sandbirds that stick in your feet. Um, if you want to control stickers, you need to do it in the, really when it's cold before the grass starts greening up. And almost any kind of spray for dandelions to get rid of stickers. But stickers are a symptom that you've got a thin lawn. So if you don't like stickers, spend this summer thickening up your grass. Stickers 
or always be coming back if you have nothing but dirt out there. So raise your mower, a little fertilizer, an occasional soaking. Whatever it takes to thicken up your grass, you won't have stickers. That's just the bottom line. We're going to take a real quick break and come back with hopefully some phone calls. We've got the lines wide open right now. Be right back. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. Hey, Java, let me ask you something. I got my great-grandmother's little hoop petticoat daffodil, tiny little thing. First time it's bloomed for me in 10 or 12 years. Uh-huh. And I got some of this Lacinata kale, and I got a picture of it. Can we do it on our on our podcast this week? Yeah, we can put it up. Okay. My, my great-grandmother's hoop petticoat daffodil on a, on a, a background of blue-green uh, kale called Lacinata, the Tuscan blue kale that the uh, people in Italy used for centuries to make their their wonderful soups and all. Uh, let's go uh, to Flowood and talk with Kathy. Hey, Kathy, thank you for calling. Hey, Felder, how are you today? So far, so good. What's you up? So you're so cheerful sounding. Well, the sun's shining. you got to be cheerful, right? <laughs> you're right. You're right. Well, what can I help you with? Well, I'm hoping you can help. I've tried everything in the world. I've got two wisteria plants, one on either side of a of an iron arbor that I planted in 1995. Uh huh. And the trunks are probably as big as my arm now. I've tried everything, but they've never bloomed. I can't get them to bloom. Well, there's a couple of reasons. This wisteria are in the same family as kudzu and peas. It makes its own fertilizer. And, uh, you know, where you see it blooming best along the roadside, it's just growing in just horrible dirt climbing in all these trees. If it gets right. if it gets its roots anywhere near some water or some good dirt or some fertilizer, it's going to have all vine. You know, it just wants to be in the most abusive, neglected possible kind of condition. That's where it blooms the best. So I bet wow. yours have got roots over in the yard or flower bed or is getting some fertilizer or water, something like that. Uh, one oh, thing, it's getting all that. Yeah, one thing that you, that you could do, and this is kind of a, a weird thing, my friends at Southern Living suggested this, is go out from the, 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 the trunk of it, oh, four or five feet, and make a few cuts straight down with your shovel. In other words, sever some of the roots. It's not enough to kill. You can't hardly kill uh, uh, wisteria, but just make a few cuts here and there, and that can stress it enough to a lot of times it'll kick it into blooming. Well... I, I, I want to say I've tried it. I've cut it back to a nub. It came, um, not a nub, but about five foot tall. Mm-hmm. The vines are gorgeous. You know, the leaves are beautiful, but it just won't. I had about three blooms one year. Yeah. Well, uh, again, it, it grows best in poor conditions. And if it's got good okay. conditions, excuse me, it flowers the best in poor conditions. It grows really well in good conditions. Uh, and let me throw out one other thing. Uh, the way wisteria bloom is, you know, they sprout out new growth in the spring, and they flowering. If you cut it, whatever grew last year, you know, 2019, follow it from the tip back to where it started growing a year ago, leaves some stubs of that, because that's where it blooms. It doesn't bloom on the ends of the branches. It blooms real close to where it sprouted the year before. 
So leave some stuff. That's what they do in all these old homes when they have wisteria with nothing but just vine, you know, just flowers. They don't have all this vine stuff. They cut everything that grew the year before back to some stuff, leaving two or three or four leaf joints. That's where it blooms. So so just, you yeah. know, don't cut it back too hard is what I'm saying. Follow the ends of the branch back to where it started last year. Leave a couple of feet of the, you know, a few inches or a foot or so of that. Well, I'm going to try. I'm going to try being mean to it. See if that helps. You know, some plants are just like that. <laughs> I got one other question for you. What's the best kind of peach tree to plant in Mississippi? Ooh, that's a that's a good question. Most peaches have got to be sprayed because we have so many insect diseases on peaches. Peaches and plums and pecans, they have a lot of problems. If you're not willing to spray, you're not going to get many good peaches. Now, here's the deal. Peaches also need two different varieties to cross-pollinate. Okay, all that all that said, there is one peach, and I've grown some from seed this year. There's and I've seen some over at Hutto's over in Jackson. It's called Indian Cling. It's not worth eating. It's a little hard thing. It's what the uh, what Aunt Mamie used to pickle with little cloves stuck in it. But anyway, right. Indian Cling has got beautiful flowers. It's got sort of a a burgundy reddish foliage. It's a pretty tree. Self pollinates and just doesn't seem to have all the problems. It's just not a good eating peach. It's a pickling peach, but okay. in, in Indian cling, and that's the one I grow, and I've grown it for, you know, mine originally came from my great-grandmother's yard. It drops seeds on the ground and comes up. Oh, how cool. All right, well, Indian cling, thank you so much. Okay, be, don't, don't feel bad that, you know, that wisteria is not like an, like an old cat or something. You can be mean to it. It'll, it'll do okay. <laughs> Trust me on that. Appreciate it. <laughs> I'm going to try that. <laughs> okay. Thank you. You bet. Right. Okay, let's slide up to Octibal County. Betty's calling from Starville. Hey, Betty, good morning. Good morning to you. Thank you. What's <laughs> I up? I just wanted to ask you about Vitex trees. Yeah. I'm thinking about putting a couple of them in my yard. Yeah. Um, how, how long does this, I have one in my yard, man. It's probably 100 years old. It's kind of pitiful but it still blooms every year and i just love it and uh so i was wanting to add more yeah where do you get them and how quickly do they grow okay the answer backwards they're fast growers and they bloom on okay. new growth so even if you put a little one it's only knee high or waist high it will bloom this year especially if you cut it back and make it bush out uh so they you know they'll bloom even small ones because they're grown from cuttings um, I'd be real surprised if they didn't have any. Isn't there a garden center uh, uh, there in Starville? I forget the name of it. Uh, my friend Dawn used to have it. Yes, yes. Uh, Board Town or something like that. I, I, I'm well, whatever. Sorry, I don't know I'd I'd be real I'd be real surprised if they didn't have any uh, because okay. it's it's a it's a popular plant. It's a good. Uh, substitute for crepe myrtles, which you're having trouble. But uh, here's here's the thing, though, uh, Betty. They come in different colors. There's pink. There's rich, deep blue. There's kind of a pale uh, blue. So you know, if if you want to, if you if you find one that you really really like that's blooming, you can make cuttings off of it. But see if you can get one that's grown from a cutting, not from a seed, because seedlings you can't tell what you're going to get. Cuttings are going to bloom right off the bat, and typically they're made from from really pretty uh, flowering trees. Okay, so I have one in my yard. How, what do I do to take a cutting and? Um a, 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 piece, a piece about a foot, foot and a half long. Cut it off, stick it in some flower bed dirt. 
Okay. Yeah, that's the way it's been grown forever. It's real easy to root. But anyway, so see if they don't have some that are already growing uh, locally that hopefully have a, a real name to it, not just Vitex, because that means it's a seedling and no telling what you're going to get. Okay, I will try this because I love the one in my yard. It's that blue or purple, whichever yeah, color yeah. you want to call uh, it. A real, real quick tip: this plant re- bl- does best in like the, it'll grow in a cemetery better than will in really good garden dirt. <laughs> Don't feel like you got to what is it? I mean, I've, I've seen it growing in cemeteries in Texas. That's how it's a drought tolerant uh-huh. plant, so don't don't baby it too much. Okay, I uh, will keep all that in mind. All right, so much. You bet. That's a good one. Thank you, thank you. And I hope to see her uh, Sunday afternoon giving a talk in West Point at the Cultural Center on Yard Art, the Good, the Bad, and the Unbelievable, 2 o'clock, West Point at the Cultural Center. Um, Also, I'm going to have Java's going to post a picture of my blue Lassanata kale. And uh, which is delicious. Don't even have to have bacon grease to eat it. And uh, my great-grandmother's hoop petticoat daffodil. We can have that on our podcast a little bit later. Meanwhile, let's go down to the Gulf Coast and talk with Susan. What's going on in the Waveland, Susan? Hey, Felder. Howdy. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I got some problems with a little kumquat that I have that's actually growing under a um, a roof. You know, it's it gets a lot of sun, but yeah. it's shaded. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. doesn't get full rain. But this thing has been looking so pitiful, and I had another one that actually died on me. Huh. Um, I'm, I'm sitting here right now with my little hand lens trying to look at the leaves, but the leaves kind of look stippled, you know. Um, they're, you know, kind of yellow and blue, yellow and green, and some of them... Um, I, you know, Some of you, them are I, yellow with okay. green veins. Uh, okay, okay. So, Susan, so you have to send me a picture because I've I I just send you a picture. Okay, yeah, yeah. that'll probably be better. That's the only way, because otherwise I've been, I, I got picture layers and layers and layers <laughs> on my head now, and I'm confused. Send me a picture. I know, it's got, it looks like it has every possible problem. Send you know, me, it, it send, does have a lot of fruit on send, it, but most send of the me, leaves are blowing up. I'll send you a picture. Send me a picture, MP, Susan. Okay. MPB, what, where do I Gar, Garden at mpbonline.org. Okay, I'll shoot that <laughs> okay. over there. <laughs> okay, Susan, thank you. <laughs> okay, okay, thanks. All right. Woo! Sometimes you just get, uh, it's like a doctor. You got to make the patient say ah. Stick your tongue out and say ah, because otherwise we just can't do it on the phone. I'm a horticulturist, Felder Rush. We've got a lot of stuff going on this time of year. Be glad to help promote any garden events you've got uh, anywhere in our listening audience. Um, and if you want to uh, shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Got this list of, of good foraging plants, good garden landscape plants that you can eat off of all year long. Uh, but meanwhile, it's a beautiful weekend. Not going to rain. Good chance to get out and plant some English-type peas, edible pod peas. Uh, get the dirt ready to, to plant some things a month from now for your summer garden. But meanwhile, just walk around, look at stuff, smell stuff, eat some Ely Agnes berries, enjoy things. Hey, take a kid to a garden center and let them pick something out that they could put in a pot like a basil or an oregano or something like that. Teach them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty.